0: The title of this morning's message is His Voice, Our Words. A few messages ago, I ministered a message called The Inside Out Mentality, Part 2. The sound quality of that message was corrupted on the recording, so the only people who heard it were those who were here that day. But while I was giving that message, I received a revelation. A revelation of the reality of the power of Christ speaking through me. By revelation, I mean that what I already knew to be true became even more real to my understanding. I asked God to breathe on this message this morning. You know, some messages, they're all rah-rah and sis boom bah and <laughs> This one isn't really quite like that. Because what I want you to see is something you can't see on your own. It has to be given to you. Revelation is when you can see something that you can't see by yourself. God opens your eyes and your understanding to see it in such a way that it changes you. And that's what I've asked God to do this morning, is to breathe on this message and to open your eyes and your ears to a reality, a greater reality. In a flash of a second, I saw the reality, the truth of the power of Christ coming out of my mouth. Now, this wasn't something I didn't already know, but it was obviously something the Lord wanted me to understand in a deeper way. As believers, we often know more truth than we are currently operating in. And when this happens, the Holy Spirit begins to influence our heart and to open our eyes to see even deeper into the truths that we already know. Even the Apostle Peter said it was good to be reminded of what we already know. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, it says this, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. I want you to be stirred up about the reality of Christ on the inside of you. So this morning, my prayer is that all of our hearts would be stirred up about the reality of Jesus speaking through us and releasing his power in and through our lives. The scripture that we were looking at that day was the story of Jesus and his disciples crossing the Sea of Galilee when a storm arose. And that story is found in Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, the disciples, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And the word obey there means to hearken (laughs) attentively. I really like that. That means the winds and the sea heard. The winds and the sea heard what Christ said. And they hearkened attentively. What happened that day was that while I was explaining that when we look at this story, we're not supposed to identify with the disciples. (laughs) Unfortunately, a lot of times when believers read the gospels, they don't identify themselves with Jesus. They identify themselves with the disciples who are unregenerated men. We look at this story and go, yes, if you are afraid, you run to Jesus and wake him up. <laughs> and that's not who we're supposed to be identifying with. We're supposed to be identifying with the fact that the living Christ lives on the inside of us. And that he is our example. And so while I was explaining that, the Holy Spirit opened my eyes and I saw the reality of what I was actually speaking. Had hey, you ever find that to be true? You think you're just saying something. <laughs> and God goes, did you just hear what you said? God says, I heard what you said. (laughs) He comes out of our mouth when we don't even realize he's coming out of our mouth. But when I saw Jesus speaking to the winds and waves, I saw him in my spirit. I wish I could take it out of my mind and give it to you. (laughs) But I saw that it wasn't Jesus speaking. It was me speaking. It was my words, but it was his voice. Now think about that. I heard the Lord say to me, your voice is my voice. What if we believed that what came out of our mouth was God? In Luke chapter 10 verse 16, Jesus says to his disciples that he's sending out. He says this, the one who hears you, hears me. Whoever hears you, hears me. You can't get around the fact that the me is coming out of our mouth. What if we believed that? And of course he goes on and he says, the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. But it starts with, (laughs) the one who hears you, hears me. When the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see the truth in a deeper way, it is an invitation to appropriate the grace to do what we see Jesus doing. He doesn't show us things so we can go, Oh, that was nice. That's interesting. Sure would be nice to be able to do that. (laughs) He gives us the grace, the influence upon our heart, and the power to do what we see Him doing. Jesus only did what He saw His Father doing. In the same way, we can do what we see Jesus doing. And Jesus releases miraculous power by speaking. Years and years and years ago, I wanted to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Lord was dealing with me. My church didn't actually teach it that way. They believed that, yes, you were filled with the Spirit, but they didn't believe in speaking in tongues. And I had one day thought, why do so many Christians get so upset about this speaking in tongues? You know, and I had asked God for it, okay, God, I'll take it. And nothing happened because I didn't know how it worked. (laughs) I thought God was going to make me say something. No. I had to find out from the Lord that I have to speak. And then he fills and gives me the words. But I have to be the one to speak. And since I hadn't known anybody to explain to me how to operate in the power of the Spirit and to receive the baptism, so I was a little lost about how to get it into me. (laughs) And while I was seeking the Lord about this, one night I had a dream. And in this dream, I was... Praying in the spirit and singing in the spirit in unison with another person. And I was like, that's really cool, God. (laughs) Is that going to happen? Is that going to happen to me? You see, I knew the truth, but I didn't know how to walk in it. Sometimes we know the truth, but we don't know how to walk in it. And we need God to open our eyes to understand. And he made me understand. You have to speak. You actually have to open your mouth and say a word. (laughs) And God will give you more words. (laughs) But what that taught me was, I can do what I see. In my dream, I saw myself speaking in tongues and praying in the Spirit and singing in the Spirit. I can do that. That was what God was saying. See, there's grace for this. You can have this. Well, there's grace for that. And, of course, I got it, (laughs) finally. God invites us to participate in operating like Jesus. We too are sons of God on this earth, and by grace, we have the same authority as Jesus. It's been given to us by our Father. It's a free gift. We have everything Jesus has inherited. We are co-heirs. So by faith, we can apprehend and walk in the same power and authority that Jesus did. Now, operating in faith is where the disciples struggled in this story. (laughs) And the truth is, sometimes so do we. We know the truth in our head. The reality of that truth hasn't dropped down into our heart where we're actually walking in it. The disciples in this story were, again, unregenerated men. They did not understand that Jesus was, in fact, God wrapped in flesh. They knew he was the Son of God, but that term didn't mean to them what it means to us. They knew God was with Jesus, but they didn't understand that he was actually the second person of the Godhead, and that he was in fact the word, the Logos of God. Now, what they did know was that Israel was called a son of God. So that was their thinking. It was something God designated you as. It wasn't something that you became (laughs) when we're born again. We become sons of God. So for them, a son of God was simply a faithful Israelite. Someone whose life showed forth the evidence of grace in their life. So when they said Jesus was the Son of God, they thought you're a really good teacher and you're a really good law keeper. We think you're the Messiah, but they had no clue that he was God. So they didn't trust him like he was God. They knew that the nation of Israel was called the Son of God, but only as a type and shadow of the only begotten Son of God, which was to come. Under the old covenant, a person had to come to God through Israel, a type and shadow. If God calls Israel his son, and you have to come in to the covenant through the son, that was a type and shadow of what was to come, the true son who would institute a brand new covenant. So we, the rest of the world, comes in through the son, the true son, Jesus Christ, into salvation. So That's where they were. Their mind was, you're a really good (laughs) Jew. Their mind wasn't, you are God and can do anything. So because the disciples didn't fully know who Jesus was, they were afraid and they lacked confidence in what Jesus told them. He told them that they were going over to the other side. Lettuce is not in there. (laughs) <laughs> That's English. <laughs> In the Greek it says, go over to the other side. <laughs> it's not an invitation, it's a command. <laughs> this is where we're going and this is what we're doing. So because they thought he was just a really good Jew, they didn't have any confidence that that was what was going to happen to them that day, especially when their circumstances became difficult. The disciples being merely natural men, had more confidence in their circumstances than they did in Jesus' word to them. They even went so far as to ask Jesus if he even cared. (laughs) They really didn't know who Jesus was. Often believers fall into this kind of thinking because they really don't know the truth about God's love and faithfulness. Like the disciples, they have more confidence in their circumstances than they do in Jesus' word to us. The disciples revealed their lack of understanding of who Jesus was by what they called him. They called him teacher, not rabbi, teacher, an instructor of the law, a good Jew. (laughs) They called him teacher, not Lord. A teacher was one who could accurately give instruction according to the law. But the word Lord was reserved for one who had authority to execute power. So Jesus demonstrated that he did indeed have authority to execute power. (laughs) Jesus spoke to the wind and waves and they obeyed him. That means that the winds and waves heard and responded to Jesus' word. The disciples then asked the question, What manner of man is this that even the wind and sea obey him? And again, the word obey, attentively hearkening. They heard him and paid attention. That's why it is translated obey. But it stems from the hearing, not from the doing. They were beginning to have their eyes opened to the reality that Jesus was no ordinary man. He wasn't just a good teacher. He was in fact the Lord who exercises authority and power even over the natural realm through his voice. Jesus in a human body operated on earth the same way he did in the beginning by speaking in john chapter one starting with verse one it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god the same was in the beginning with god all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not in the greek translation of the english word word it is Logos. So this scripture, in the beginning, it actually says, in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. Now, the modern church has separated our understanding of this word into two separate categories. Many describe the Logos as the written word, the Bible. They say, that's the Logos. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to us from his word, it's the Rhema. So that's how they distinguish Logos from Rhema. That helps us understand the rhema part, but it doesn't really help us understand what logos all entails. The word logos actually refers to the communication or expression of God himself. It includes his thoughts, his person, his desire, his glory, his wisdom, his love, as well as his word, both spoken and written. Logos is God expressing himself. The philosophers at that time, they had the word logos in their vernacular too, but not with the same understanding. But they came pretty close sometimes. They understood that there was a divine wisdom. When they looked at creation, they said, there's no way this happened by accident. <laughs> Somebody's smart enough to make this all work together. They understood, in part, that this Logos was there. They just didn't understand that he was a person and that he was available. So the Logos is all of the expressions of the mind and heart of God. So Jesus is the communication and the expression of God the Father. He is the Logos. He is that wisdom. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1-3, through 3, it says this, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. This is Jesus. He is the brightness of the father's glory. He's the express image of his person. We wouldn't really know God by reading the Old Testament. You would know he was faithful. You would know he was merciful. You would know that he wants good for his people. He wants them to live in blessing. We would be able to deduce all of that, but we would not know his heart the way we do unless you see Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus is the expression of what God is really like. Jesus is where we look. Jesus shows and reveals the Father to us and through us. It is through the Son that the Father has spoken and continues to speak. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. And if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus expresses and communicates all that the Father is. That's what Logos is, the full expression of God's person. So this scripture also tells us that it was through Jesus that the Father created everything and that all things are upheld by the word of his power. I like that they left it this way, because this is the way it was written, for one. (laughs) But usually some translations will turn it around, the power of his word. Of means to come out of. So when we say the word of his power, his word comes out of his power. And it communicates whatever the word is. If it's peace, it brings peace. Jesus said peace to the storm, actually he said hush up. That's what he said in the Greek. You hush up. You quit talking. (laughs) We have to tell some things. You hush up. I ain't listening to you. It is the word of his power. That's how he gets his power to us. Is through his word. So the word of his power in the Greek is the word rhema. The rhema of his power. The spoken word. A lot of times people want to take this word and say Bible. (laughs) Bible is the word of his power. Only in part. He's Logos and he speaks, he speaks through the written word and he speaks through the spirit. This in particular is talking about the word of God being spoken. There's power in speaking God's word by the power of God. So in the first chapter of Genesis, God speaks everything into existence. He says light be and light is. The spoken word of God creates, it works and it brings forth whatever it speaks. I like that. God said, light be. That's what was produced, light. God said, grass grow, grass grew. (laughs) Whatever God spoke was created. We are made in his likeness. We were made to operate the same way God himself operates. Jesus operated as a man the same way he operated as the Logos, by speaking the word of his power and watching things be created and come into alignment. He acted in his body, just like he did in the beginning. He spoke and he released the power and the love of God. Now, even though Jesus was God in his nature, he did not use any special prerogatives while on earth. He was always God. But it tells us in Philippians, he emptied himself of all his royal prerogatives. He didn't operate as God on the earth, even though he was. He operated as a man. We needed somebody to represent us to the Father. The Father needed somebody to represent Him to us. Jesus was that man, so He had to be just like us in order to represent us to the Father. So whatever we see Jesus doing, He did by the power of the Holy Spirit. He did no miracles until He was baptized by the Spirit, and they started walking in miracles and signs and wonders. It is the power of the Spirit. So we look at Jesus and we can say, He is like me. He's 100% completely human, but he was also 100% completely God. We are 100% completely human, married to 100% completely God. We are one spirit. When we speak, he speaks. When we speak him, people hear his voice, not just ours. People hear Jesus through you, even if all you're doing is being nice. Nice is a nice thing. There's not enough nice in this world. <laughs> Jesus is nice. <laughs> we need to operate by the Spirit. He's nice. <laughs> so he didn't use any special prerogatives. He didn't use his godness to do what he did. He operated by the Spirit, same way we can. He simply walked as a human being filled with the Spirit of God who was in constant contact with his father. He was always consulting his father. In John 8, 28, it says this. So Jesus told them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am and that I do nothing on my own authority. Instead, I speak only what the Father has taught me. As Jesus looked to his Father, in the same way, we need to look to the Father as well. Ephesians 5.1 says, Be ye therefore imitators of God as beloved children. In other words, we're supposed to see how daddy does it, how Jesus does it, and do it the same way. He says, imitate me. We know what God the Father is like because we see Jesus. So we look at Jesus to know what the Father is like and what he's doing. We can do what Jesus did. It says, imitate God. How does God do stuff? By the word of his power. We need to practice operating like Jesus. We have the same Holy Spirit and the same Father and Jesus himself on the inside. We can do whatever Jesus did. We have the potential. I've tried walking on water. That's kind of tricky. (laughs) If it's frozen, I don't have a problem. But (laughs) But there was always a purpose behind what Jesus did. He didn't do just any old thing he wanted to do. He was always governed by the heart and the mind of his Father. John 14:12 says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. Jesus said, You can do this, and greater. Why? Because he was coming back by the power of the Holy Spirit. He went to the Father and he came back to live inside of us. That's why we can do the same works and greater because God himself, the creator of the universe, lives on the inside of us. But we don't get it. <laughs> We're like the disciples, oh Jesus, please, where are you? Oh Jesus, please help. Well, power of the word, the word that comes out of his power, it brings power. We're supposed to operate just like Jesus. In Mark 10, verse 27, it says this, And Jesus looking upon them saith, With men it is impossible. Got an impossible this morning? You know any impossible things that need to be spoken to? Most of us do, but we don't speak to them. Or we don't be consistent in speaking to them. But it says, For with God all things are possible. Do we believe that? Do we really believe that? Or are we acting like the disciples who don't know who Jesus really is? In Matthew 10, 19, Jesus says this. When they hand you over, don't worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say. Because in that hour, what you are to say will be given to you. It won't be you speaking. It won't be you speaking. It'll be him speaking. Spirit of your father speaking through you. The father. Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that they created everything by a word. Actually, it started with a thought. (laughs) He could just think things into being, but he decided to set an example that you can change your world by speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus warned the disciples that persecution would come. He also told them they didn't have to worry about what they were going to say to the authorities because the Holy Spirit would give them the words they needed to speak, and in the same way, the Holy Spirit gives us words to speak. Often, we don't even know that our words are actually coming from God himself. I find this all the time, especially at church. I'm going to pick on two people, (laughs) Pastor Steve and Michelle. We're just having normal conversations before church. Nine times out of ten, I hear the voice of God coming out of them, verifying that I have heard the Lord. I am preaching the right word. This is what his word is to his body this week. Nine times out of 10, they don't even know God's talking through them. Pastor Steve, we talked to him on the way to church. All over my message. All over my message. How does God do that? By his presence in each one of us. You see, I'm not just Valerie. I'm Valerie Jesus. And that's not just Michelle, that's Michelle Jesus. And this is Pastor Steve Jesus. All of you have Jesus. You are one with Jesus. We could literally just tack Jesus on the end of our name and it would be correct. And you know what? Our Father would really like it. But we would get an identity of who we really are, that the Christ, the Creator, lives in us and nothing is impossible to us because we believe that He's that big and we believe that He's that good and we believe that what He says is true. I like the fact that I hear the voice of my father coming through other Christians. It happens all the time. We just have to open our ears to walk in that identity. Yeah, I know you have Jesus inside of you. I'm going to stand here and listen until I hear him come out. <laughs> we can do that. You pull on Jesus, he will answer you. If you say, I need a word, I'm going to keep listening until I hear it. It's coming faster than you think. So it's true. We very often don't even realize how true it is that we are one spirit with Christ and that he speaks through us when we don't even realize he's doing it. Years ago, I heard Kenneth Hagin say something that has stuck with me. Often you hear a lot of people saying, you got to work for the anointing. You've got to be praying and fasting because that will make you more anointed. That's silly. You don't get more of the Holy Spirit. You get all of him all at once and he stays forever. He is the anointing. He is the one who brings the power. So we're not whipping up some Jesus power. It's already in there. It's in there in its fullness. We just have to believe it and act on it. But one of the things he said was, you should never seek to feel anointed. Now see, that really goes against mainstream Christianity because they're all trying to feel anointed. (laughs) They're working really hard at feeling anointed. We don't have to feel anything. We have to know the truth. We are anointed. We have the power of the living God inside of us. We release his power with our own words. We don't need more anointing. We just need to listen better. (laughs) The reason he said that, he says that walking in the power of the Holy Spirit should be so natural to us that we don't even realize we're doing it. That's what this relationship is supposed to be like. That I can't find the end of myself. Because when I think I've gotten to the end of myself, you know what I find? Jesus. And He's one with me. So I didn't even get to the end of myself. Because He's there. He's the power. So it's so true. We don't realize the power that works within us. So, what I want you to see this morning is that it is supernaturally natural. For God to speak through us. It is supernaturally natural for God to, with his voice, release his power through our words. Now, this is also something we can do on purpose. Yes, it's great when you don't even know. That just means you're walking. (laughs) You're walking with Jesus, and Jesus comes out whenever he likes. (laughs) That's awesome. But you can put God's word in your mouth on purpose. In Mark chapter 11, Jesus cursed the fig tree. Because it didn't have any fruit. It was a lion tree. That's why it got cursed. It was a lion tree. (laughs) It said it had fruit because it had leaves. And it didn't. (laughs) And the following day after Jesus cursed it, Peter notices the dead tree and he says to Jesus, Look, what you said actually happened. You know what? Sometimes we're just as surprised as Peter. We don't really believe that what comes out of our mouth can change something. That we can curse things that don't belong in our kingdom. We don't really think about that. Jesus cursed the fig tree because it was lying. (laughs) There's a lot in that, but I won't go there. (laughs) So we can curse sickness and disease and calamity. We can tell those things to die. The power of life and death is in our mouth. Right here, all the power in the world is right under our nose. Right under our nose. (laughs) How come we're saying dumb stuff? (laughs) We do! We say the silliest things. Oh, that tickles me to death. No, I don't think so. (laughs) We say silly stuff. I was talking to my computer yesterday. My computer has this nasty habit of turning the screen off. (laughs) In the middle of whatever I'm doing, it just turns itself off. Uh, for the 20th time, (laughs) and I said, you stupid thing, and God says, really, really, that's what you're going to do with your mouth, I bless you in the name of Jesus, you work in the name of Jesus, (laughs) it matters what comes out of our mouth, because we have more faith sometimes than we think we do, we have more faith in negative than we do in the positive, we have a friend who, we love him to pieces, But what comes out of his mouth if he gets what he's sowing with his mouth oh lord have mercy (laughs) because it's always negative it's always complaining it's always i don't have it's always why isn't god it's all the things that are wrong with his mouth have showed up in his life and you want to say you know god is good (laughs) maybe if you started declaring god is good in your life and knowing that he's faithful and true You'll start seeing the goodness. Stop using this creative power that's right under your nose in the negative. Use it in the positive. Mark 11 verse 22 and 23 says this. And Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. He does not say, have faith in your words. That is a distinction because you can do all the right things without faith. you can have faith in your faith you can have faith in your words you can have faith in your reading you can have faith in the fact that you went to church you can have faith in all kinds of things Jesus doesn't say any of that he says have faith in God no matter what you're saying we're saying what we say because we have faith in God Jesus spoke because he knew his father backed up that word he had faith in his father verse 23 for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Was he teasing us? Was he exaggerating? Did he really mean this? Yes! Why? Because that's how he acts. That's how he operates. And that's how he operates through us. By stuff that comes out of our mouth preferably his word. <laughs> Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I say unto you. No, he said therefore. He says, Because of what you just heard, therefore I say unto you, that what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye shall receive them, and ye shall have them. There's another one of those amazing promises. I think we think he exaggerates. No, we would never say that. <laughs> but how many times have you prayed for something, said you believed you received it, and then, like Peter, the next day, look what happened! You know what we would do? If it wasn't shriveled up, we would go, why aren't you working? We would investigate the leaves. Why aren't you doing what I told you to do? I told you to die! (laughs) Jesus didn't have to monitor it to make sure it died. He had faith in his Father. And because of that faith, it changes what comes out of our mouth. When we believe that God really means this. That he wasn't kidding. He wasn't exaggerating that what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. It's true. So here we see Jesus telling us to act just like him and to speak what we hear the Father saying and then expect what we say to come to pass. One of the things I like about this scripture is that it implies that, like the fig tree, mountains can hear. Fig trees can hear, mountains can hear, bodies can hear. Everything hears the voice of our God. Interestingly, usually animals are much more obedient than his children. (laughs) But they hear his voice. Our bodies can hear his voice. It says that when we pray, if you understand how this works, that what comes out of your mouth, to the Father makes a difference. What comes out of our mouth to a mountain makes a difference. In other words, God is always listening. He listens to us. He listens to us when we pray. He hears us. And He hears us when we speak to things. Because it's Him through us. He gets to speak. He gets to declare His will for us and in us and through us, if we let Him. So, our confidence is in God. That whatever he says is true is in fact true. Why do Christians believe that they can talk to things? I mean, how silly is that, right? We can talk to mountains and tell them to move? Really? Yes. Why do we know? Because we know who said it. He says, this is how you can operate. You can move your mountains. If they're not moving, keep speaking. You keep speaking until they move, because they have to obey the voice of God, even if they're stubborn. In First John 5, verses 14 and 15, it says this, And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That's what this is about. This is the confidence that we have in Him. Not in our words, that we're talking or speaking or doing it right, but that He's the one listening, that He's the one speaking, that He is releasing the word of His power through us. We have confidence in Him, not in us. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we shall have the petitions that we have desired of him. So our confidence is in our Father's goodness and trustworthiness, not in our speaking, but in the one who hears us speaking. We speak because we believe, we don't believe because we speak we speak because we believe. Years ago, when God was teaching me about the power of speaking his word, he led me to the book of Ezekiel. In chapter 37, God shows Ezekiel a vision of a valley of dry bones, which represents the Israelites during their Babylonian captivity. Israel had lost its hope of being rescued. They even thought God had abandoned them. They thought themselves as good as dead to God. But in reality, he had put them into protective custody until the time was right for them to go back to Jerusalem. God always had a plan, even if they didn't see it. So in this chapter, it starts with verse 1. And the hand of the Lord was upon me. I like that. What he's saying is the presence of God was heavy on him. He could feel the presence. He says, okay, the presence of the Lord was on me. Basically, he carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. And he set me down in the midst of a valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. And they had been dead a long time. (laughs) There ain't nothing on those bones anymore. They had been dead a long time. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. In other words, he's saying, I don't know. Only you know. Can these things live? Mm, I'm not sure. (laughs) I don't know if they can live. You know. (laughs) He goes on in verse 4. Again he said to me, Prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Dry bones can hear the word of the Lord. Dead things can hear the word of the Lord. Is something dry in your life? Something dead? Been dead a long time? (laughs) It ain't got no flesh anymore? It's just bones? They can hear the word of the Lord. Verse 5, Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh that came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived. And stood upon their feet an exceeding great army then he said unto me son of man these bones are the whole house of israel behold they say our bones are dried and our hope is lost we are cut off for our parts therefore prophesy and say unto them thus saith the lord god behold o my people I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land, then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. What the Lord showed me through this story was that Ezekiel literally prophesied exactly what the Lord had said. He didn't have to make it up. He heard the word of the Lord. He heard God speak. And he just repeated. See, this isn't a hard thing. (laughs) This isn't a hard thing. Ezekiel just repeated what God had said, word for word. It's the word of his power. God said it first, and then Ezekiel repeated it. But something happens to us when we know we've heard God speak to us. Faith comes. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That is literally the rhema, of Christ. When we hear the Lord Jesus speak to us, it ignites our faith. We've already got faith. We've got the faith of Jesus. But how do you turn it on? With the word of his power. With the word of his power. It ignites our faith. And then we speak. (laughs) We don't have to make it up. He'll tell us exactly what to say. When we recognize the voice of God speaking to us, our faith can become a blaze. More powerful than we understand. I mean, it can consume whatever is dead and dry and needs to be consumed, you need to get rid of something, his word will do it. His word changes us. Because it's not just our words that are released. It's not just our words. He says, whatever hears you, hears me. It is the word of his power in the sound of his voice through our words. In this story, God's voice is heard through Ezekiel's words. Isn't it interesting? God says exactly. Word for word, say this. Why doesn't God just make it happen? God works through people. God works through his prophets. (laughs) God works through you, his children. God has to have a voice in this world. It comes through human beings. Ezekiel didn't have any power to bring something back to life. In other words, Ezekiel could speak his own words all day long and not get those results. But when you speak the word of his power... It changes everything. When the word of God's power was put in Ezekiel's mouth, the dead were resurrected and res- restored. We can speak resurrection to things, and we can speak restoration to things by the power of God's word. What do we have, or what do we need to have resurrected? What do we need to have restored? We need a word to speak to that thing. In John chapter 6, verse 63, it says this, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. I love that. I can verify this. The flesh is no help at all. (laughs) Jesus is all the help you need. The words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. Ezekiel was speaking the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord, the word of his power brings life. It can't bring anything else. In the same way, God's voice is heard through our words when we speak in faith. What God has said first. God said it first, Ezekiel repeated it. We can go to God's written word and ask for a rhema word. What is written is what God said first so that we can put his word into our mouth and by faith expect his voice to be heard through our words. If we get a revelation that God's voice can be heard through our words, what would be impossible to us? Anything? Nothing would be impossible. Why? Because it's the word of his power, his creative power, his miraculous power. According to Jesus, nothing would be impossible because nothing is impossible with God. But God always uses people. He doesn't just do it on his own. He lives and dwells on this earth through us and he wants to speak his plans and purposes through us. I have a testimony I want to read to you. I found this online. It's written by Ulysses Spann, and it says this. Several years ago, my wife began to suffer with abdominal pain that persisted for weeks. When examined by doctors, they found seven fibrous tumors. They told her that she would need surgery to remedy the problem. She decided to go the way of prayer. We got an agreement that God would heal her and that there would be no need for surgery. For 30 days... Sometimes four and five times a day, we cursed those tumors and told them that they had to leave God's property. We told them to dissolve or disappear. We didn't care how they left. They were just going to leave. We reminded Satan that he was eternally defeated and that we had authority over all his works in the name of Jesus. There was never any fear in us, only faith in God and his word. 30 days later, my wife returned to the doctor for a reexamination. And they found her body to be free from tumors. Not one was left because God watches over his word to perform it. He promises. It is the word of his power through the mouth of his children that changes this world. Amen. Father God, we thank you for the truth of your word. Such a simple truth, but we forget. And you have to remind us again that we have everything we need in Christ Jesus. You have given us everything for life and godliness and that we have power and authority on this earth the same way Jesus did. Jesus isn't just in heaven watching over his word. He's inside of us giving us his word, giving us his power, giving us the things to say, giving us the ability to take authority in our situations. Father, we thank you that it's true. It's not exaggerated. It's not overstated. It is the truth that you have given us the power of your word to speak and to rule and reign on this earth. We thank you that you have given us the ability to hear you. We thank you that we can go to your word and get a word. That we never have to be without a word. We don't ever have to be defenseless as long as we have your word in our mouth. Father, we thank you that your word is a sword. We thank you, Father God, that it is a seed. We thank you, Father God, that it changes everything, including us. We thank you, Father God, we ask you cause our hearts to embrace this truth. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you remind us how powerful you have made us. We are not powerless, and we are not helpless, and we are not alone. We are filled with the living, creative God, who made everything with words, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.